You're listening to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the Incomparable Network of Podcasts. With the honor of being on hosting duties today, I'm Michael Gabriel, and I'm joined by Scott Grizzle. Hello. Mandy Self. Hi. David Schaub. Happy to be here. Uh, and behind the scenes is our wonderful sound engineer who's done an amazing job editing the entire Supercast to date, Seth Heasley. Uh, so thank you, Seth. Uh, today we get to talk about Season 2, Episode 22, which is the Season 2 finale, Nevertheless, She Persisted. Uh, it's pretty jam-packed with things to talk about, um, so David has volunteered to provide us with a summary of the episode. So David, please kick us off. Here is my super recap of the episode. Superman continues attacking Kara. In a flashback, Superman confronted Rhea. Rhea used silver kryptonite. It does something. Superman thinks Supergirl is Zod but ignores Rhea. Supergirl wins the fight and faints. Kara has a dream sequence to show off a necklace. Kara wakes up in the Fortress of Solitude with Superman detoxing. Lena is pissed and having a well-justified drink. Lillian talks Lena into finishing Luther's anti-alien tech. Superman suggests fighting with research, very fast research. Everyone meets up at the DEO, which is no longer under attack. Superman trusts Kara's judgment regarding men and fights. Kara's plan, single combat with Rhea. Winner gets Earth. Megan wakes up John telepathically. Cat chats with Kara and Clark about Kara and James not doing their jobs. Lena texts Clark to discuss the lead bomb. Superman and Kara spar and discuss why they fight. Rhea and Kara fight. Rhea cheats by having her army attack. Lena and Wynne finish the lead bomb. The heroes fight on the streets. Megan and more white Martians arrive to help. Kara triggers the lead bomb. Daxamites flee. Rhea dies. Monel and Kara declare their love. Kara gives him the dream sequence necklace, and Monel leaves Earth. Superman is stunned by Kara's awesomeness. John and Megan show their functional long distance relationship. Alex proposes to Maggie. Maggie smiles. Kat and Kara chat, and Kat reveals to us that she knows Kara is Supergirl. Monel is eaten by a space anomaly. Flashback Season 3 Big Bad being sent to Earth from Krypton. <laughs> Cool. Following up, here's my super Syracusean prediction follow-up. Did Rhea die? Yes. Technically even killed by Supergirl. Did Monel become king? No. I'm sure we'll discuss that more later. Has Kat always known that Kara was Supergirl? Yes. Did Lena find out that Kara was Supergirl? No. And that's it. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack, uh, including those the predictions that you made and um and you know we saw a follow-up for that but uh, i think we can start off pretty well with the fight with superman uh i'm sure that maybe uh, i'm sure that you guys have thoughts on those so uh who wants to get started just commenting on that i just have to say silver kryptonite <laughs> really <laughs> so the ridiculous rainbow of krypton is definitely a thing in superman comics and shows and i'm surprised that it took this long for us to get a third color, but yeah, pretty ridiculous. It feels like an amazing uh, writer's crutch there. <laughs> yeah, what is the silver thing supposed to do? It's like David said in the recap, he thinks that Supergirl is Zod, but forgets Rhea is there at all. Like, how do you control that? There's a bit of background there. Uh, I did a quick Google search. There was a 2008 comic where Silver Kryptonite came up. And it, quote, causes Kryptonians to suffer from altered perception, loss of inhibition, and extreme hunger cravings. I don't think that quite applied here. I have no idea what it's actually doing in this episode. 
I have a thought. Um, so first off, you can just completely ignore history of colored kryptonite. Like it, the different colors do different things in different versions of Superman, and it's always ridiculous. Um, this entire fight is a clumsy mess to me. Uh, the entire like conflict between Superman and Supergirl, because clearly they needed to establish Supergirl as the main character of the show, as also being the protagonist of this, you know, this thing with all of uh, Earth is at risk. You know, it's like they had to give us a reason why Superman's not going to be the person to that this is all going to center on. But they just there are so many things they could have done if they had thought about this ahead of time that they didn't do, and it just put them in a situation where they had to do they had to come up with some way for us to for Supergirl to prove that she was the right person for the job. And it's just not, it didn't work well. Um, I mean, first off, I don't really buy that if Superman really thinks he's fighting for everyone's lives, that Supergirl would beat him because he's been doing this for a really long time. But you could plant that for us in advance if they had said something like, you know, Supergirl might become stronger than Superman because of some hand wavy reason that has to do with her living the, on Earth the or, problem, or though, on Krypton longer. Is it directly contradicts everything we know and has been said in the show? Because in the show, they've talked about how exposure to the yellow sun for longer makes you stronger, right? That's why the whole reason Monel doesn't die instantly, right? Because he's been exposed to Earth's yellow sun. So Kara has not been exposed to the sun for as long as Clark has that's it, 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 she just hasn't she just hasn't been on earth as long yeah yeah it, it's very much a situation where what they should have done was explore their relationship between the two longer come up with some other thing some quality she has that he doesn't that therefore puts her in a position to be the best person for this fight and that way she's also not just another superman but is you know her own hero um and this is you know kind of a weird thing they could have rock, paper, scissored for it, and it would have made more sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So then it, but because they decided for whatever reason that the two of them needed to fight and Superman needed to, uh, you know, to be shown to be weaker, I guess, they needed to come up with some reason for them to fight without Superman holding back. Um, you know, the thing is, though, I completely buy at the end, you know, that Supergirl, that Superman would not be willing when he says he wouldn't be willing to sacrifice Lois, right? If it was that kind of reasoning, I would buy that, right? He's been in this relationship with her for a long time. He really has, you know, this, this emotional connection. And if we're saying Kara's not as, you know, connected to Earth or Monel or whatever it is, like, I, I would probably buy that. But this whole that she's just stronger when she's, she's a, Younger, but not younger in a way that would make her stronger. Like if Superman was 70 and she was 30, I'd be like, okay. So, <laughs> but she's not. He's like, you know, he's like 32 or something like that. And she's like 20-ish. So I, I, I just, I understand that they want this to be her own show. And I, 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 underst I understand girl power. <laughs> I understand that. And if they had been like, well, no, I'm weak from the silver kryptonite, I would have bought that. But instead, they said, no, I wasn't weakened by the silver kryptonite. You just are stronger than me, Kara. And I'm like, that just seems, I don't know, too on the nose, I feel like. Yeah, they could have totally done a thing, too, where maybe the victory would rely on her rallying National City around her. And that's a thing she could maybe do better than Superman could, you know. Um, so there are a lot of things they could do that they didn't. Um, one thing I did like about this, though, that even in this whole thing, they still managed to mess up on little things but nail Superman as a character like than anybody else on screen has in a while. Because when he loses, of course, it's not like he's diminished by being beaten. And he's just like, well, you beat me. And he's not prideful about it, and he just accepts the situation and moves on, which is totally a Superman thing to do. So I appreciate that much. 
Well, if, if you had any complaints about special effects budget through the rest of the season, this is where it was all spent. Since every <laughs> single punch, every kick involved an explosion, either in the foreground or background, <laughs> perfectly timed, you know, punch Superman, car explodes. <laughs> also, how are they going to explain that to the people who watch them fighting? Like the, the family in the elevator when, uh, like, Supergirl goes to protect them and then Superman just goes after her? It's like, wow, this is a, it's like a little bit of a family dispute going on here. Every family has fights, Michael. Super ones. <laughs> It is one of the problems, though, when you have Super Superman and Supergirl trying to fight is, in theory, buildings can get knocked down. Who knows how many people were killed in this fight? It's a, a pretty dangerous thing and a pretty expensive thing to try and do at all. Like, you, we, we know why they wanted to do this fight and why they wanted it to end this way, and it's it's hard to say if it was worth it in any regard. Beyond the poor Vancouver landmarks they beat up. Yeah, unfortunately, this felt a little bit like big screen Superman fighting with the level of destruction. And I was kind of happy not seeing that in the small screen version. I agree. Um, well, we can't spend too long on this fight because we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, so uh, I believe the next part that we saw was them essentially waking up after the after the fight. And we actually see Kara's little dream sequence. And that's, uh, I think it's actually sort of an extension of the same problem. She has a... Kara has a sort of dream with Monel and her mother's necklace because they wanted to use it as a prop later and kind of failed earlier in the series to impart the importance of the necklace. Um, Which, how hard is that to do? How hard is it that, you know, when you know you're going to do this, which hopefully isn't that many, hopefully they're not writing episodes week to week, like all year. They're planning something. How hard is it to plant that at least three episodes in advance? I don't know because I'm not... A TV person, obviously, but I just feel like I was like, oh, look, a necklace, which will obviously become important later. Well, maybe they did plant it and it was in an earlier episode and then they realized that an editor cut it and so they had to splice it in here real quick. Could be. That's totally fair, yeah. It's also a pity that it required knocking Kara out because that effectively means it was kind of a draw. They were both unconscious at the end. That's totally true. Uh, they are equally super. Um <laughs> So, yeah, we have the the conversation between the two where Superman kind of, you know, says that he wasn't weakened by the Silver K and so on. Um, and then after that, everyone's united in the DEO. Is that the next scene uh, where uh, where they talk about Dakamore? Where Superman remembers when and it's really adorable. Yes. Does Superman not just seem like the friendliest, most encouraging person ever? <laughs> yes. An awesome cousin. Yeah, a great cousin. Uh, I mean, he backs her. Uh, of course, he backs her completely. Um, and this is actually one of my things that this comes up over and over again with Superman in this episode is he just backs the plays that other people do that I, I feel like in most other episodes, people would be arguing about how things should go. But Superman sort of just acknowledges everyone with their respective strengths and people go along with it. It's like a, he's a facilitator of them all working together as a machine, um, that they should be able to work this way without him, but he, he kind of seems to accelerate it a lot, which is pretty fun. So, yeah, but in the DEO, we have a few different things happen here. Uh, there's Supergirl announces the trial by combat with Dockham Orr, although he, she just says Dockham Orr, and we don't actually know what that is yet um, until uh, a later scene. Well, because they, they find it in um, the Fortress of Solitude, right? They look up... Uh they look up Daxum and they discover this ancient ritual that obviously they will totally abide by now because 
you know, if you came to us and you were like, I'm going to challenge you to a duel like Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr, I'd totally be like, that is totally a thing we still respect. Instead of just being <laughs> like, are you insane? Well, at first they just call it Dockham Orr. And I was like, oh, great. Another space rock that does something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I totally heard it as O-R-E, right? Where uh, I guess... Maybe that's still what it said, but I guess now in my head it's O-R-R because like some kind of proper noun or something. But yeah, I agree. I initially thought it was the equivalent of kryptonite, except that we already have lead. So um, this is also where uh, John wakes up with uh, McGann in his head, right? Yes. And then we also have the press plastering the fight of Supergirl and Rhea as if it's some kind of fight night uh, on the <laughs> on the TV screens. And they got real fast on that. I mean, on the other hand, though, when they ask the press to back down, like they don't want anyone there filming it, this is literally something that the fate of Earth is riding on as far as they're selling it. So while I understand they don't want anyone to get hurt, I'm also kind of like, you should probably show it. You should probably have someone there recording it so that when uh, Mom L inevitably betrays everyone, all of Earth is watching that, right? And they see that it's not Supergirl who failed, but Mom L who's sleazy. So I don't know. I feel like there was a way to do it to have like the press at like the next building over or something because they just did it on a rooftop. It wasn't like isolated. So mm -hmm. I'd like to state that just if you don't want to hurt people, maybe you shouldn't do it on the top of a skyscraper in the middle of downtown. When you're both super powered. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a bad plan. <laughs> Many bad decisions made. Um, but that conversation about them pulling out does bring us to the next scene, which is at, you know, with Cat Grant, who steals the show these last two episodes. Um, I love Cat. I love her. Reminded me of how much I miss her and her, like, voice of reason and uh, her opinions on Guardian and just, like, everything. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many good things, like, great references and things in this one scene, too. And also later with her, you know, the conversation we'll get to. But I just, I really love how flustered she is whenever she's around Clark because <laughs> she's just not like that at any other time with anyone. Uh, and it's just so great. And there's that line she says, uh, you do love Danger Clark Kent, yet another reason Lois made no sense, which is just the funniest thing, because in pretty much every version, part of why Lois and Clark end up together is because Lois can't stay away from Danger, which is just fantastic. And then also, you guys caught the whole thing with a cat saying that she hadn't seen Star Wars, like that whole conversation, because Calista Flockhart is married to Harrison Ford, which is just hysterical. I did not know they were married, but... I was like, you just broke my heart, Cat Grant, that you've never seen Star Wars, and I was very sad. A bit of fourth wall humor there. Yes, for sure. And that's not the first, we have multiple instances of that in this episode. I did appreciate that she thought Guardian, she knew James was Guardian, and she thought the whole thing was stupid, and kind of called him on the fact that he is the head of this media empire she left with him, and he's failing at his job. Failing. Utterly. Yeah, she totally channeled us, right? Which yes. is great, because it's about time someone did. And we almost saw none of James in this episode, except for a scene. That's true. We had enough of James in that James-centric episode. I think we're Jamesed out. <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> well, it just just leaves me wondering what, what are they going to do with Kat next season? Because, you know, she did the sabbatical this season and basically said it was a horrible idea. It, it's hard for her to just go jet off to find herself... Again, you know, I, I wonder what they're going to do for season three. Because unfortunately, I think I have seen that she is not going to be a regular next season. So I wonder what they're going to do for that. Because you're totally right. 
I think there's a way to have her still around, but not be a regular. I, I feel like there's got to be something in between four episodes a year or every episode, you know? Uh, so I don't know if she's just so insanely expensive. Well, I think the issue was filming location because they're filming in, in Canada and she doesn't want to live up there to film when she's in L.A. That makes sense. I, I still feel like there's got to be some like in between where maybe she's like just jet setting between all the different corporate offices because surely Catco has more than one office. Right. And, you know, so she's not always there. But I don't know. She can't trust James with her job anymore (laughs) yeah well david you and trish last episode talked about the fact that the president is an illegitimate president in this show because you know it's not a matter of whether or not she's human but she wasn't born in the united states and therefore can't be our president you know so maybe uh maybe she'll cat grant will get into politics (laughs) (laughs) become the new president that is that is scary and awesome (laughs) Yeah, so uh, why don't you guys talk us through this uh, the Luther reveal with the uh, the weapon? Well, I mean, this was a a box that was brought in before, and a lot of foreshadowing about this oh super weapon. And then uh, basically, when they bring it in here, they're like, oh, it's just an aerial sprayer. That that seems like the absolute worst super weapon <laughs> that anyone could come up with. And how did Lex? not make a a sprayer work of all the gadgets that he's come up with. Well, if they made a device that actually did what that box did, that is an amazing technological feat. I'll I'll, I'll go there because, boy, is it an impossible thing what they're doing with that device. But anyway, (laughs) I'd actually take a step back to just that that, uh, scene where uh, Lillian comes in. I also really quite like that the scene opens with the red dress on the floor and then you see Lena just sort of coping with what's happened to her. And I I really liked sort of that scene in the conversation between uh, Lillian and Lena where you still can't quite tell how sincere Lillian is ever. She sort of came off as her most sincere here, yeah. but I don't know what that means for uh, for a Lillian. I have to say, though, that Lillian didn't back the wrong child. She is simply on the wrong side. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things, like you pointed out, that she was at her most sincere here, but the fact is, as we learn later, Lena already knows that no matter how sincere she seems, you can't trust her, and she's right, and we should never trust her. I, I just also have a lot of questions about this weapon, because when we were talking about putting kryptonite in the atmosphere, and they were like, oh, well, it's not dangerous to humans, I was like, okay. Yeah. But now we're talking about putting lead in the atmosphere, and somehow that's not dangerous to humans, when like lead poisoning is a real thing. <laughs> The show tried to put a lantern on it. The, the show t- gave this line saying, but it's at too low a levels to hurt humans. I don't buy this. I, I have serious... Trace lead is I deadly. Have serious <laughs> problems with this weapon. One, it's poisonous to humans in trace amounts. And if it kills daxamites so quickly, it's certainly enough to hurt humans. Imagine how much lead dust was in the room when it was turned on. I, I would not bode well for Win, Lynn, uh, Lena, and Lillian. Also, lead is really heavy. It's not going to stay in the atmosphere. I, I was most choked, most surprised yeah. that of all the type of solutions they tr- were, did chose for this episode, they chose the V solution. And this doesn't even make nearly as much sense as what they could write in the '80s with the red dust and V. That at least made some amount of sense. <laughs> but this. 
It makes no sense. <laughs> it's and and it what it covered the entire atmosphere in a few seconds, and it affected people instantly. And oh my, we we. Yeah. I also had no idea that when we said lead was deadly to Daxamites, that it was deadly on the level that it like turns them into lead. Like, I, I know Monel got shot, and that's kind of when they figured out lead was bad or something. Something like that happened. But he didn't like turn into lead. I'm, I'm kind of confused on this level of deadly here. Yeah, it, it's a uh, there's a lot in this show that generally. Like, alien physiology doesn't make much sense in general in the show. Because, you know, David, like you said, any amount that could affect these aliens this quickly is deadly to people. Like, we know lead causes deformations in, in children. It causes drops in IQ over your lifespan. You know, so there are some studies that indicate it, like, correlations with violent crime and lead exposure. So, like, it's a pretty bad time for humanity if we have just thrown lead into our atmosphere. And... I just don't know how it could kill anything that fast without them just suffocating. Um, but yeah. Well, and everyone in that town just lost like five IQ points. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Just immediately. After this, though, we get to Superman and Supergirl having a heart to heart, which is uh, during their little training sequence where I guess it's not really a training sequence, but Superman asks Supergirl to or other way around. Supergirl asks Superman to like, you know, spar with her a little bit to keep her on her toes. Um, and he's just pretty great in general uh just kind of talks to her about like hey our heart is what makes us us and so on and he i don't know superman i I really like that they've been able to keep him purely the boy scout in this show on the other hand i feel like superman should have also been the one who advised that hey i know we came up with this plan but you should never expect bad guys to have the same level of honor we do like because he's been fighting crime a lot longer than she has right so this would have been a good time for him to advise her on like, you should, you know, go ahead with this because it's what you want to do, but don't expect her to play, you know, above board. Because nothing Rhea did in the final fight was a surprise to me, but it seemed like a surprise to her. <laughs> I was a little bothered that her existential crisis at the time was, maybe she won't get everything she wants. Let's save the world here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one objection, Mandy, to what you said, um, I guess from my perspective, he isn't like, I mean, yeah, if they lose because they're honorable and she's doing this thing and they'd lose, like he's, he's letting that happen. But it feels like he was monitoring things so he could act on a moment's notice anyways. Right. Like, I mean, they had plenty of other things happening. They were still ready on the streets and, uh, and kind of monitoring the city. So I feel like they were still ready to act. And, uh, and one of the things to me, and this is my personal bias, of course, as a Superman super fan, but I kind of want Superman to be that person who realizes that bad guys are bad guys, but will willingly choose to give them the chance over and over again anyways. I'm not saying that she shouldn't have given the chance. I'm not saying he shouldn't have told Rhea to go forward with it. I'm saying he should have advised her like cousin to cousin, you know, we're going to go ahead with this plan, but you know... Don't expect everything to go perfectly. Don't expect that just because you beat her, she will go away. There, you know, maybe it'll happen, but maybe yeah. not. Maybe if you win, you'll lose, right? You know? Well, and expect her to cheat. Expect her to bring kryptonite. E- expect her to pull all sorts of rabbits out of hats. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I guess, I mean, going from that, we have the Dockham Ore is the literal, the, the next scene. So... We, uh, I, I know that I saw Mandy, you, you definitely said something about this, uh, about the level of authority Supergirl has to, to, uh, bind the earth to this agreement. Yes. 
I I felt like she should have had some sort of conference call with the president. I mean, that's something they could have even filmed with the last episode while Linda Carter was there, right? Um, and then just saved for this episode. But she, Supergirl has no authority to bind Earth to anything. None at all. So I can see why Rhea would still go into it because she just wants to murder Supergirl. So she's going to try if she can, right? But Supergirl... You know, like, if so, if Supergirl lost, Earth would not just let Rhea take over. Yeah, I mean, she can't even speak for her city, let alone the country or the world. So Supergirl is sort of lying, and she doesn't know she's lying, but she should know she doesn't have the authority to make that kind of decision. I, I would actually take that another step, because she goes, on yeah. my honor, that that, that this, this is it. She has the button for the backup plan. Which she would presumably use if she was about yeah. to lose. She's even lying for herself there, let alone her authority elsewhere. So it, the plot only works because Rhea cheated and broke broke it first. I, I assumed that she wouldn't cheat if she were losing. I like I assumed that she basically kept it for safekeeping just in case it was necessary to use for like because there wasn't some other answer. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, but I, do I guess you really a- think if Supergirl lost, she's going to counsel the whole world? To bow to this woman? No, no. I mean, I agree. It's a it's a weird situation that the writers wrote themselves into. That's certainly true. Um, there's also the whole thing with the Dakamore. Like, in it seems a really weird, messed up take. Like this this fight of honor. Like Daxamites aren't as strong as Kryptonians. So I don't understand why this is even a fight in the first place. Like normally when this kind of thing happens, it's a David versus Goliath thing or, you know, David's the good guy or, uh, you know, maybe you have a, a war world story where Superman is actually the weaker one challenging the stronger one and saying like, hey, this is how it's going to go. If I lose, then I lose and I become your slave or whatever. But like Supergirl is the stronger one in this situation. Like the the, the honor level is not there for this. I'm a- yeah, I had no idea why Rhea would agree to this in the first place. Yeah, I, yeah. I, f- I feel like there was just an early discussion that says, we want Rhea and Supergirl to just beat this out with Fist at some point, and we'll come up with a storyline to, to make it happen. Had Rhea been using kryptonite yeah. weapons, that may have held together better. But, I mean, Supergirl never didn't use her cold breath, she didn't use heat vision, didn't fly around very much. Like it, there was, And that's not even getting to the silliness of uh, kryptonite-infused blood. <laughs> Again, that alien physiology. Like, so, I, I mean, if their kryptonite, if their blood is kryptonite infused, why doesn't it just hurt her all the time through their skin? Like, is their skin, like... Lead? Exactly. Like, kryptonite has to be held in iron. Uh, well, it has to be held in lead because, like, iron isn't, uh, doesn't block the... Yeah, so so I'm very confused like, about daxamite physiology for sure at this point. Um, yeah, but- I, I mean, if it... <laughs> If she had bled and then it got on Supergirl and you said, oh, well, it's really weak, but, you know, you touched it, so it hurt you, maybe I would buy that. But I'm bleeding and now it's radiating on you. That didn't make much sense. But then uh, this does take us back to Mama Luther. uh, And we know that Wynn and Lena are both there, too, because I guess Wynn just headed off to help them out. Yeah. Can I just say while we're on the Luthers, uh, how dense does Lena have to be at this point to not realize Supergirl and Kara are the same person? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, David addressed that during his uh, kind of, you know, addressing his previous predictions. And that is really upsetting that she just doesn't get it yet. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's a cat 
type thing where she just won't admit it and she will actually be super understanding unlike what you know what uh Mama luther predicted ma- yeah right and that she's just basically letting kara come to her in her own time like well but, you know yeah. i've never understood that trope of you know oh i'm dating a superhero or a prince in disguise and then when they tell me i'm mad at them like I, that just assumes we live in a world where these kind of stories don't exist at all and or people don't need, find the need ever to hide your identity. And I feel like if anyone would understand the need to occasionally hide your identity, it'd be Lena Luther. And if anyone would understand why Supergirl wouldn't trust her out of the gate, it's Lena Luther, right? And so I just don't see Lena being mad when it's revealed. And I also feel like it's got to be like a, an affected blindness. If she doesn't realize it, it's because she doesn't want to. Right? Because, oh, it's just a coincidence that Kara's dating Monel. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid they're going down the route that, well, Kara's the one person that would never lie to me or hide anything from me. So I'm just not willing to assume anything. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I, I, ass- I think you're right, but I'm also more and more optimistic that they're not going to go with the thing where she feels so betrayed that she becomes a bad guy. Like it more and more feels to me like they're setting her up to be able to prove that she's not Lex once and for all, you know, I agree, um, and that she's better than Lex. I hope I'm not in danger of being let down, but I'm starting to feel justified in my optimism there. And I hope that ends up being where they take her. Yeah. But with Lena and Wynn working together, I really liked that. And then I, I really liked the moment where Mama Luther grabs the device and just tries to turn it on and Wynn's like freaking out. And Lena's just like, <laughs> you really think we would trust you with this? Uh, cause they planned for it, right? right. They gave the device to, to turn it to, to Supergirl. That does. Hit me a thing, and Mandy, feel free to call me on this, because I feel like this is the kind of conversation you would call me on, but I totally ship Wynn and Lena. Like, <laughs> I just, all, all of their interactions with each other, I, I've liked all the way from the beginning when they first met, and when, uh, like, Lena first helped, uh, you know, they were, had that fight against the terrorists, uh, the alien technology terrorists earlier on, and whatnot, and it's just like, I mean, I know Wynn has a girlfriend, but but they're just so much fun together. I could see it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, my Lena ship will never come to be. Kara and Lena will never get together. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I did enjoy them working together because they both are on such a high level, you know, that they don't have to slow slow down for the other. I don't know if Wynn really added anything to that scene, though. No, but I think if they're working well together, then that opens up storylines of L Corp and the DEO working side by side also. Agreed. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So after this, we see like a little montage of extra people coming to help. So uh, who who wants to talk Martians? Scott, do you want to lead us in talking about Martians? Well, we, we had Martian Manhunter who was just conveniently unconscious for, you know, most of the dangerous <laughs> parts of the end of this season. And it was good to see Miss Martian come back. I'm a little confused, and I think they tried to cram a lot in with the, oh, look, there's also other good white martians and they're going to come help us and then go back home instantly and uh, i think they were trying to cram a lot in but it it was nice having that you know cavalry moment <laughs> where all the uh extra people and you know dirty dozen shows up to save the day yeah and i mean we knew megan went back to you know see if there were other white martians who were sympathetic to the cause uh or not the cause of earth but uh, regretted what they had done. But 
it I, I guess they got alerted by uh Jean that something was going on, right? That's why they showed up. Um but it was a little, you know, where did they come from? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was a little bit sudden. It was a little bit much. Uh, it, I mean, I think maybe they're more, it was part of it to show that Earth and the, you know, Martians are Earth adjacent. So Earth adjacent peoples are here to uh, to just help out and align themselves against the, the Daxamites. Um, but then also, probably for where they're going with the next season, they're going to need more people who are here and, uh, you know, who are... Uh, loyal to loyal to earth and will fight on the side of earth against you know alien invaders because that will probably be more of a thing moving forward well and i wonder if they're they're eventually going to go to a point you know since they have uh martian manhunter and miss martian uh in in the comics from what i understand they generally were not side by side they were you know on different versions of justice leagues and and that kind of thing i wonder if they're setting up for a point where maybe miss martian takes the place i wonder he just feels like such a standard part of the team now i don't know that he's really replaceable i don't know i I mean i think they could always use more allies if they want to escalate and make things bigger you know it's one of the problems with superhero shows is if you want to make the next season bigger and badder you need to involve more parties in order to make the challenge, like, you know, make uh, the opposition seem reasonable. So, Well, with the Martians, they have very similar powers to Kara, and it's kind of like on Arrow, where suddenly everyone's an archer. (laughs) You know, there has to be some differentiation, and you can't have a whole lot of people that all do the same thing, bring the same thing to the team. Yeah, not sure where they're going with that. Um, I would argue this mostly from the Doyleist perspective is that earlier in the season was all these plot lines with McGann and they just really wanted to um, bring her for the finale and it was just closing up the the storyline as it were. Um, if I was being unpleasant, I would say, well, this is showing a successful long distance relationship, which apparently Supergirl isn't even considering having with Monel. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's actually a fair point, too, is there's a very significant point, which will jump very briefly. But there is a line where uh, near the end where Kara says that, you know, like the I need to know you two are happy when and Lara, John and McGann, uh, Clark and Lois. So like just having the other relationships work might have just been a an emotional point they want to see uh, with as many couples as possible. So but yeah, uh, that does bring us to one of the more emotional scenes here, though. Um, I have it labeled as the button. <laughs> so the scene revolving around Supergirl pushing the button. Um, who wants to like, I, I know for me, that was actually a pretty well done scene, but I don't know if other people agree. I, I guess I'm so conflicted over like this whole Monel thing in general. So Kara pushes the button and Mommel dies like almost instantly. Right. Um, so Kara basically killed her. Um, and presumably a large number of Daxamites, but there were other Daxamites in ships. Uh, and, and I guess the emotion of Kara, like letting go of Monel was kind of destroyed for me that Monel didn't complete his story arc and become king of Daxam. Like, is his whole story arc not about becoming responsible and becoming a hero? Should he not have become king of Daxum? I'm really confused. Like, I, I don't know. I, where? What was his? What was the point of him? That is the most disappointing thing I found in this. Was um, it really hurts when 
as a group, we've had conversations discussing where we expected this to go, and they went somewhere so much, so much worse. And and it, it felt so horrible not to take that path. Um, I The whole thing about the Daxamites leaving, as far as we can tell, almost every Daxamite just beamed up, and I have no idea why Rhea didn't. Um, I have no idea why Rhea's had a second there, who was someone who sounded like they believed in the tradition and might have then sided with Monel to take over or something um, when Rhea betrays it, but they don't go there either. Um, I don't think we ever see that person go or when he vanishes. So it, it all just felt um, poor choice for how to end this. And uh, it's always sad when I feel like I'm up with a much better ending than they do. Well, Rhea's fallen and she can't beam up. <laughs> so yeah you can't beam up from a, a reposed position obviously <laughs> uh my so my take on this was that Monel's story isn't over um that this was about his his character arc but his story's not over like I, so for me the the moving part was when they looked at each other because they realized that she had to push the button and she does uh they actually have a Pretty. I, I noticed on the second time around, they have pretty strong musical accompaniment with it. Uh, it was a little bit weird how quickly the ships leave the atmosphere. It's like seconds and they're gone. But um, but his farewell to me is what makes this okay. I mean, his. I have it. I wrote down the line. It says, uh, "Wherever I go, I'm going to be better because of you. You'll be in my heart. I promise. I'm going. I'm going to be the man that you thought I could be. I promise." And in my head, that is a. He was so focused on winning this battle that he didn't have time to think about what's next. And that once he escaped, he would come around and realize, Hey, it's time for me to take control of, or to take ownership of my kingdom. And maybe, I mean, you know, we haven't seen the last of him presumably because he got sucked into some kind of wormhole. So like, I'm hoping that, and this could be let down, but I'm hoping that whenever that is resolved, he'll come back. And maybe there will be people who are honorable in the Daxamite empire. And they will be like, Hey, we didn't do the right thing. We didn't adhere by our honor. And now we have a monarch who, you know, who is blood to our monarchy and is willing to lead us well and, you know, change things for us. So I'm hoping that we have a future there, even if it's not a central plot point and that his story is just interrupted right now. I was thinking one of the Daxamite soldiers yelled traitor at him uh, during one of the fight scenes. So that would suggest that maybe he's not really welcome back at least with this group. But we could have different opinions on the, in the Daxamite empire. You could have different factions. Well, none of them seem to mind that the uh, queen murdered the king. So I'm a little confused. <laughs> I also question why earth basically just murdered their monarch. They should have blown Earth out of the sky. National City should have been destroyed. They beam up in their ships and they level the city. Like, that's the only response, I feel like, to that kind of scenario. And instead, they're just like, oh, no, you made your atmosphere poison to us. We're going to leave. Well, that's because they have really great shields, but horrible air filtration on those ships. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And their lasers won't go from space to the ground. I'm pretty sure spaceships have very good filters. In fact, they don't need them because they're spaceships. <laughs> I, this was the whole thing with Monel leaving. As soon as he sat down <laughs> in his pod, he was fine. As soon as everyone went up to the spaceships over the city, they would have been fine. They could have hung out there for 10 years above the cities taking pot shots at us. So, yeah, whole other aspects of yep. this atmosphere thing not actually being much of a sense. I, I do hope that Monel yeah. eventually. Well, what I Monel could have stayed in a fish tank, right? <laughs> like. He could have. Yep. 
What I like to think is that they're just in disarray and that the fact that she's dead isn't actually a thing that would motivate them all to vengeance. It was more that she was an iron-fisted ruler that kept them doing what they were doing. Um, and that she just happened to surround herself with the people who would be most likely to follow immediately. But maybe David is right, and the, her second actually cared about this honor thing, and as once she was gone, it's like, well, that's that. We're out of here. Uh, so, I don't know. There's a lot of possible headcanon here, so probably giving it too much credit. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is basically the last major plot point until we get to this end sequence, and it's all emotional... Uh, tail end but uh so we should probably start getting to that so we can kind of talk about the end and what we think is next um so after this fight and after this uh the button scene um we get monel to you know to leave and then we get the Kara and alex heart to heart at the end of things right and that conversation i mentioned earlier um whose thoughts on this conversation i i think all that was mainly just i i don't know if it meant very much to me in that regard because that was just setting up Supergirl putting everyone else's relationships ahead of hers. And I don't know if it really added much. I, I almost preferred the scene before with Superman, where Superman just basically just goes, you are just so damn good. And I and it was it was amazed at what Kara was willing to do. And I, I liked that conversation more than the one with Alex, which felt more like window dressing for the everyone else's couples have to be maintained and Supergirl doesn't get to. I, I agree. I really liked the scene with Superman and how he, I, I mean, to me, that is the difference between that Kara delineates in this episode between herself and Superman, because Superman always finds a way that would also save Lois Lane, right? But in this scenario, there was no way to keep Monel on the planet. And could Superman really make that decision? Uh, and while sure, we'd like to think Yes, but in this universe, he says no, he couldn't. And so that's something that uh, makes Kara a little more... This, this is the thing that makes her more heroic than Superman in this instant that I approve of in this show, more so than she can punch harder than Superman. I didn't need that, but I really appreciate this. She can sacrifice for the world in a way that Superman cannot because he's so attached to the world. Yeah, I agree completely. I appreciate that a lot. I still like the line that Kara gives, but that's more from an emotional perspective and less from a, like, I don't necessarily think it's important. I think it's more of a, like, hey, I need to know that you guys are happy because I don't want to be bringing you down, rather than a, I need to know you guys are happy because I need other relationships to to exist or something. I don't know. It's a weird delineation. It's weird in my head, too. So don't, uh, <laughs> don't, uh, yeah, don't take my words for anything significant. Um, but then uh, Alex takes action afterwards. And she proposes to Maggie, and now one of them has to die. I'm just saying. That's the oh, only way this can go, and I no. really don't want this. Uh, it can't happen. We can't kill one of them off. So what are the odds that they're going to get married like three episodes into next season? I don't approve. It's too early, Alex, to propose to your girlfriend. And now you have sealed her fate, and I hope that you don't go that direction. But Well, with Maggie being almost a surrogate DEO uh, member in the last few episodes, I kind of wondered if they were going to go that way where she leaves the police force, joins the DEO with Alex. And now they get to have work, uh, work relationship issues. Well, now they have to go through the <laughs> same counseling that Monel and Kara got to go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I I'm, I'm with Mandy on the fact that I just, you know, I'm cool with their relationship, but I, it just feels too soon. Um, feels very rushed. 
I mean, that said, I do know a lot of people who have gotten engaged and married after dating for very short periods of time. But come on, guys. Do we know what the actual time frame is for their relationship in this show? I mean, it's all been this season, but right? I Yeah, I don't think we actually know how long has passed because I questioned that a lot over the show, including my uh, how dare you give a family heirloom to a boy you've le- known for less than a year rant uh, for Kara. Uh, so I don't know, maybe the beginning of the season to now has been like two years, but it doesn't seem like it has been. So I, I just feel like all these relationships moved way too fast. Kara just gave the last thing her mother gave her to a boy she's known for less than a year. And now Alex is proposing to, or yeah, Alex is proposing to Maggie. And I'm sorry, I just have strong feelings about this. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think you're allowed to have strong feelings on this. Kat's um, journey, I think had some time frame on it, which I thought implied that this was about in the ballpark of a year. And if if we don't know anything else, I just, I just guess that this is really about a year. Yeah. I, I don't mind them getting married. I don't know if getting engaged just after surviving something like this is wise, but it's something people do. So I don't question them doing that. But if they do kill off Maggie in the first couple episodes of next season, I'll be really upset. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, again, we've brought this up on several podcast episodes. I question the wisdom of the characters, not whether or not this decision is in character, which I think is good. Yeah. You know, I buy that Alex did this. Yeah. So like it. Yes, absolutely. 100% buy that this is a thing Alex would do in this situation. I agree with that. Alex has been diving headfirst too fast in this relationship the whole time. So I I just worry now we're going to start the next season with emotional strife, either because Maggie realizes she said yes in a fit of like emotion after we all almost died. And oh my gosh, we're not actually ready for that. And so now we're going to have like emotional duress, or they're going to try to get them married off and then break them up because people aren't allowed to get married and be happy in CW shows. Uh, And or one of them has to die. Because that's the standard trope here, right? And <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> just, just, just a note for my recap, though. Alex proposed. Maggie smiled. It's true. She <laughs> smiled. She didn't say yes. <laughs> I'm assuming that's a yes, but yeah, you're right. They could go wherever they want with this. They, they could be waiting for fan responses like ours to see whether or not they just had a real heart to heart where she put the brakes on it a little bit, or uh, or whether they, you know, she was all in too. Now, to be clear, I am perfectly happy if CW decides they should get married and live happily ever after. <laughs> yep, no problem. I yeah. just don't think they're going to go there. We we just have to keep in mind, this is, I don't want a relationship, Maggie. I hate Valentine's Day, Maggie. Not not the one that you see walking down the the aisle in a in a church in a few episodes. That, that seems a little right. off character. I feel like maybe that's her character arc in this. That seems like a really weird character arc. Just becomes okay with relationships. Hopefully they'll give more to her than that. But we move on from this to Kara and Kat's heart to heart uh, at the end because Kara is not happy. And uh, or yeah, I guess not happy is the right is the right turn of phrase. It's not like she's like in a terrible mood, but she's not in the best of moods. And so it's another scene where Kat Grant steals the show. Uh, yeah, who remembers this this rambly Cat Grant pep talk about being a, a f- married four times? I love everything that comes out of Cat's mouth. It's it's great. There is another fourth wall breaking thing where she mentions that it was almost five times because she rejected Lob- Rob Lowe twice. Um, Rob Lowe is her husband on the show Brothers and Sisters, or on, on Brothers and Sisters, which is produced by Berlanti. So it's another 
for fourth wall breaking thing. I just really liked that they did that with her this episode. Uh, and then David, you totally called in the last podcast episode that Kat knows who Kara is, like knows that Kara is Supergirl, and I thought that was a really great way to tell us. But uh, also, the thing that really stuck with me in that is why don't Supergirl and Superman just like leave their super hearing on all the time? Because then she would hear it and just smile, you know. Uh, but she didn't. I mean, it all assumes that, that super hearing is something that can be turned off, which seems rather strange. But yeah. Um, so I have another thought about this. Do you guys have, and I want like a sort of a vote has, does Cat Grant also know that Clark is Superman? He has, she has to, like, she has to. It, Supergirl talks about her cousin, like Kara happens to know Clark Kent. Th- there's no way. I want to say that she is just so blinded by Clark Kent that she just can't process rationally in his presence. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of okay with that explanation that she's just so in love with, with Clark that she's not even thinking about Superman. Like, I don't know if she could handle thinking that he and, and Superman are the same person. Well, I, I was going to say in this scene, uh, also at the very beginning, they mentioned that Cadmus is taking credit for uh, getting rid of the Daxamites. And I was kind of wondering wh- why wouldn't president of the united states or literally anyone else on the show take credit instead of giving cadmus a boost going into the next season that they're the saviors of the world yeah that takes me to a point from the last episode when uh when lena's mom what's her what's her name i always forget her name lillian yeah lillian luther when she says has the like told you so moment it's it's a trope that happens a lot of the time where bad guys will find like one kernel of truth in a thing they said and say like i told you so i was like well you really didn't tell us so like this was you've been warning against every single alien that we have and that we need to keep them all under an iron fist not that hey at some point there's going to be an attack from outside which is very different from what she was saying you know at no point did lillian say well supergirl's gonna fall in love with a an alien who happens to be a prince of another race that gets <laughs> mad that she's he's in love with Supergirl and decides to take over the whole planet. That was Lillian never warned about that. <laughs> I was I was going to say that that I would even question whether Lillian's statements were unreasonable though. Like, I I think it's too much to call that fake news. Cadmus, Lillian, Lex Luthor built a box. That box was used to save the world. It's a horrible end of the of the episode, but it's true. <laughs> So I, I I don't I don't know if right. I would actually uh, take away that from Cadmus is for whatever reason the writers did give them the saving the world and also is Cadmus not a part of the U.S. government I was pretty sure they were so isn't it really that the U.S. government got rid of the Daxamites and wouldn't that be how they spin it has the government you know disavowed Cadmus like I I don't fully understand I have no idea. I think in this universe, and I could be wrong, but a lot of the time in many various DC universes and storylines, Cadmus is. But in this, I feel like they're just a terrorist organization. I could but be I, remembering that I thought that, that the reason why Superman didn't want to work for the government initially in this universe was because of the existence of Cadmus. No, it was because uh, John kept kryptonite. And then oh. John got, got – there was a, the whole thing where John decided to get rid of the kryptonite in good faith with Superman. I was – I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Because Cadmus used the kryptonite that John had, that, like, the D.O. had. I still have issues with that. Yeah. But uh, along those lines, though, I mean, even if it's technically true that Cadmus had the weapon, Cadmus didn't do it, though. Like, you could say Lena Luthor 
and Supergirl together used a weapon appropriated from Cadmus or provided by Cadmus and then like to do it. But you at least should like share the credit, if nothing else, you know? Um, yeah, all, all Lillian did is bring in a box that doesn't work yeah. <laughs> and then take credit for saving That's the PR. world. Yeah, very much. I think, I mean, that that wraps things up aside from, you know, at the end we see Monel in his shuttle and he takes, he's taken through a wormhole and then we get the 35 years ago, the day that Kryptonite dies flashback, um, which tells us who the big bad is for the next season. Well, I did have a question on... Do these pods have horrible navigation systems because they're they're going through phantom zones and wormholes and like none of them seem to be able to avoid obstacles. I mean, is there like ways maybe <laughs> that could be a little bit better? You know, what why are they always going into places they're not supposed to? Yeah, I mean a thirty-three or excuse me, twenty-five percent success rate, no. 20% success rate, right? Because we've got we got uh, two times now with uh, with Monel. We've got Supergirl off track, and then we've got this uh, you know the big bad for next season. And Superman's the only one who arrived on time, right? Or like arrived without issue. So yeah, I, I think so. Maybe he he had the upgraded uh, maps or something like that. But but it is good that this next pod was painted all black. And, you know, we bled on the kid. So any question over whether this is a, a bad person or not is addressed, you know, right up front. Yeah. I, I noted that, too. I was like, oh, so we have evil, evil kryptonites. And if the red and black wasn't enough, they fed their infant blood. So. So do you guys know who this is? I mean, I already know who this is. Do you guys know who this is? No, I have no idea. I read a good guess. So, I mean, they actually say the name of the character in it. Yes. So it says, there's a line that says, uh, what will happen? It says, it will grow strong on Earth, then what? And then it will rain. Uh, rain, R-E-I-G-N, is the name of a character. It's, uh, it's Rain is one of the world killers um, who are, uh, that that is actually like what they are called, like capital W, single word, wor world killer. Uh, and they are... Previously, they are uh, biological weapons created by Kryptonians, um, and their reign specifically is pretty s closely tied to Supergirl in various stories. So, yeah, I'm not sure. We we don't really see anything in, in terms of motive other than we're nuts. Uh, but, like, I, that's a little upsetting. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happened. But, they, I mean, it also comes on, too, where they don't talk about it as a he or a she, they talk about it as an it, because it's a weapon, not a person. I also just question, if we had enough time to get so many pods ready after the destruction of Krypton that we got like three kids off the planet, why couldn't we get more people off the planet? I, I just have so many questions. And why do we send them all to Earth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it goes back to the really weird logic from the original Superman movie in the 70s, where it's like, you know, the, the council tells Jor-El that he's not allowed to, to leave Earth. So he's like basically are not allowed to leave, leave Krypton. So he's like, fingers are behind his back. He's like, well, then I won't. And then he secretly sends his son, but abides by the rules anyways, when he could just have left himself. Like, it, it's kind of silly. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, at the end of this, I think one major disappointment that we talked about is that uh, Lena still doesn't know Supergirl's secret, and hopefully they'll figure things out with that later. But uh, there's not much left at the end of this this episode. Are, are there any closed or storylines that from the season that fell to close from you guys? What's James going to do? No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, he can't be left in charge of a magazine. 
Well, yeah, Guardian is just the worst. <laughs> Monel still never got a real costume, despite the fact that they talked about they were working on that in like episode three. I'm afraid that was his costume. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, I'm will, unwilling to accept that. As given everyone else has this flashy costumes, and he just kind of looks like a bartender, whether he's a bartender or a superhero, that doesn't work for me. Uh, do we have any? So now that the season's over, what were the most satisfying points for the season from you guys? I, I have to say that my my favorite part is Cat telling everyone, Cat coming back, and Cat telling everyone that she or telling us that she knows who Supergirl is. Those are my favorite parts of this season. And that doesn't yeah. really bode well for how, what I think about the rest of the season. <laughs> I, I think Wynn joining the, the DEO, and I think Kara and Monel's relationship, it may have been fast, but uh, I think it hopefully puts to bed for next season that we're not going to have the love triangle come back again with Jimmy and and Wynn and you know so not every episode has to be about Kara's love interest yeah yeah I, I really enjoyed that Wynn became his own character this season whereas last season he was kind of just like the lovesick puppy following Kara um, I really enjoyed Alex's uh, fleshing out this season um, just that she has a life beyond Kara uh, and kind of the conflict that creates. And uh, I, I've enjoyed the Megan uh, Jean stuff, and I hope to see more of her next season. But I'm just super disappointed in anything that involves James. Yeah. Uh, I know I myself am also very disappointed in James, and I hope they can re rehabilitate his character in the next season. Uh, I'm really, pretty much any time either Lena or Superman are involved, I'm really happy. So I hope they do great things with them. I hope they don't overuse Superman because so far they've done a pretty decent job with him as in terms of his character. And I'm afraid that if they use him a lot, they'll mess up. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I am looking forward to the next season. I think that they got a lot of the frustrating parts out of the way. So uh, fingers crossed that the next one will turn out good. Um, well, I'm hoping since the show kind of internally uh, – said that what James is doing is not good, that that means they're going to go a different direction. And I really like that by the end of the season, what Lena and Kara have is an actual friendship. Though I do question when Kara said that, you know, Lena was her best friend because they don't hang out that much. But Kara needs more female friends overall. For a show that's on, you know, theoretically about women, there could be more women. That's true, <laughs> for sure. Um, cool. Well, any any other final notes before we sign out, guys? I had, I had two more things I wanted to mention. Uh, one partially in response to uh, one of the issues Trish had with the previous episode, where uh, Kara went to talk to Rhea and Monel just sort of left her, let her go. I, I quite like the uh, brief chunk of dialogue uh, that they had here before Kara goes to the fight, where Kara says, "You can't fight for me," and Monel responds, "But I can be with you." And I think that was really what Trish was missing in that last episode, and it was nice to get it in this one. The other small thing yeah. I uh, wanted to mention is you cannot irradiate with lead. <laughs> but whatever. It's, it, yes, it's the, the opposite of how that works. <laughs> yes. Mandy, any any final thoughts? You know, I, I still really like Supergirl. Um, it's still, for all of the emotional pain in this episode, a... Uh, a lighthearted, fun show that I enjoy. And uh, I, I think 
almost everything in this episode was earned in the sense of uh, Kara being upset. And also, I really enjoyed that she did not go into like a depressive burrito over it, right? Like the episode didn't end with her in her, you know, like comforter cocoon on her bed eating ice cream. Supergirl is not broken by losing a guy. Uh, she's sad and she's really sad, but she's going to keep doing what she does. And I really appreciate that message because I feel like we don't often get it. Yeah. Uh, and how about you, Scott? Uh, well, I had one more open point, which is where is Alex's dad? Oh, that's yes. true. Totally forgot about that. They did not that. resolve that at all. Wow. Well, and they asked Lillian point blank and she's like, I don't know. <laughs> Which may or may not mean anything. <laughs> right. It, it could be a complete lie, but it, at the same time, Cadmus seems to be two people in a very aggressive uh, <laughs> public relations firm. But, you know, you know how, how would they misplace him and, you know, where are they going to go with him after his his previous stint on the show? But but overall, I, I feel like this this makes me more excited for season three, I think, than I was for season two. Cool. Well, uh, on that note, hopefully uh, our editor, uh, incomparable overlord Jason, and listeners will be okay with us having gone a bit long for the season finale. This was, uh, it was a pleasure to host the final episode of this season of the Supergirl Supercast. So thanks, uh, everybody, for joining me. So thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thanks, Mandy. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you, Seth, for just editing this whole season and doing such a masterful job of making us sound a whole lot better than we come off initially. Uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, I guess until next season, just keep wondering where, where Agent Danvers is. I wanted to well, just start I, I mean, with this was a, a box no. that was brought in before. Yeah. Okay, we'll all talk about it at the same time. You guys all talk at the same exact time. <laughs>